Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing 24th of October 2022. It's tender day tomorrow, which to anyone who understands what I'm talking about, it's the day that any futures store that feels like letting their wheat turn from ordinary boring old fee wheat into futures wheat in a futures registered store, then the magic occurs and everyone declares what they've actually got available. Now, as a small little merchant, it works for us. We tender it and we get the money and we get the rent and it's our little model and everyone, you know, the one trick pony does it again. Most of the rest of the world who've got a bit more cash than we have are probably with the spread creeping outwards to £15 a tonne. And for those of you who are watching that particular issue in the trade, don't forget the conversation I've had in the last couple of weeks about that, that victory is only complete if you actually nail it with style. So I need that market to trade at £16 a tonne to be right. Okay, 15, I'm not into moral victories. I'm into complete and absolute victory. Anyway, with that, some of you have been texting me about that. So yeah, come on, one of you, just do one trade at that level and I can just prance around like an idiot. If the spread doesn't get to 16 quid, we will be tendering the whole lot, which is fine. There aren't that many we're going to take off the board anyway, but it's like there will be a wad coming in from doing grain on the 25th. In years to come, somewhere down the line, someone might study the grain trade and go, oh, what what were people like back in those days? And one of the things I think the benefit will be is the market report will have some theories on what happens next on the basis of a crop that is small, a crop that is poor quality, a too big a crop, a surplus, a deficit, etc. And the dynamics of how people think and how people act will be recorded. So we can go back over four years already and say, well, that statistically that year was a short year. What happened to the market? And all right, you can't bring in the influences of the rest of the world at the same time, but you can, to a large degree, have references to them because we've always talked about them somewhere during that year. So it might give people some form of guidance as to the psychology of how the grain gets traded in a year when everyone thinks it's short. And as a side observation, it's very clear farmers hang on to the very end and the market always drops off at the very end. So there's a peak point somewhere just prior to the end when they need to make that move. And that little bit of knowledge might make a hell of a difference to someone's returns one day. So we could be useful yet. Moving on to the events of this week, we've had just the most humiliating piece of government performance. I mean, if Liz Truss hadn't resigned, it would have been the complete annihilation of her budget. Everything she went for, with the exception of the national insurance change, and that's it, really. I mean, she's saying she's delivered on keeping people warm in the winter. Well, it's not been the winter yet, and we all know she hasn't. And yeah, that's just a... Everything's been a car crash. 38 days as Prime Minister, shortest in history, and I think a Tory MP put it, you know, talentless people 
people getting into positions just by ticking the right boxes and being rewarded for that. In the end, people looking at their career ahead of the country's interests, we've got to get rid of those people. And in fact, we could do with a government that actually decides to investigate taxes, do unpopular things to actually sort the country out and not just be thinking about getting voted in next time round, which in my opinion leads us back to the core problem. And this isn't just the Tories, although they are the worst. This applies to Labour as well. The two-party system has too few people influencing them. And in the case of the Tory party, even that guy who, who gave a, an MP, Walker his surname was, who made a brilliant, succinct speech about what had gone on about talentless people. But even he, in the middle of his speech, said the damage they've done to the Tory party. It's like you can't focus upon your team as being the thing that's absolutely right the whole time. At this point, it is not about parties. It's about the country being in a complete mess and people... People in the position of Parliament actually thinking about how to sort all of those problems out without a thought about whether they get voted in next time round. It shouldn't be that thought first. So it's sad and terrible and I can't see it getting changed. And the possibility, even the suggestion that's come on the radio this morning where Boris is going to come back in. I mean, there was a Tory MP in Lincolnshire coming out with the interview on BBC Radio 4 said, look, you know, he's obviously he broke the law. No, 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 that was the left-wing press. No, no, he actually broke the law and the police charged him. Oh, no, 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 he didn't. He didn't. He never lied to Parliament. Well, there's a very long list of proven lies he did give to Parliament. And to kind of wipe the slate clean, and, you know, I think another Tory MP tweeted something like, come back, Governor, there's been a bit of trouble in the office while you've been away. Could you come and sort it out? You know, it's a game to these guys. It's not, it's not like real life. The country, real people are in a real muddle. And the Tory party are focusing on the Tory party and the games that they play. And that's our problem. So in the meantime, I I can only see the results of all of this meaning a weaker pound as we go ahead, just because we sort the tax out and Rishi comes in or whoever comes in. We've fundamentally got some big problems. And there's even been an article in the supposed brackets left-wing press, because they make all this stuff up about Boris and the Tories. There's even been an article in the Telegraph saying that Project Fear has become Project Reality. Well, now that really is a turnaround. And I think that anyone who dares say that is a Ramona, anyone who dares stand up. But let's be very clear. If we've got people saying that Boris Johnson should come back in, despite the fact that he lost two by-elections by a million miles, the Conservative Party chose to kick him out. They're going to turn a blind eye to all of the fibbing, all of the mess that he's made and the fibs he told about Brexit and all of that. In the end, their credibility will be nil if they bring him back in again. And let's be clear, there's parallels here with the Americans. We've had the election stolen from us. Let's storm the capital. No one else is allowed to win. This is our country. We have all the money. Sod you. This is just as deluded as the Republican Party in the States. So if you look at that and think, oh, they're a bunch of idiots. How did it ever get to that? We are allowing exactly the same extreme, and in this case, right-wing views, just as bad as extreme left-wing views are just as evil. We are allowing people to believe that they have the right to just do what they want, run the country how they want, as long as their party wins and their interests are served. So let's not pretend that we're not as nutty as the Americans. We really are. Anyway, so let's get back to prices. Orseed rape for old crop, 518x for November. And if you're moving harvest time rape, it's a premium to that, 520 for harvest movement. I've got no comments to make about rape today because I haven't really done any research on it. Those are the prices. Yeah, you know, I don't think anyone's selling orseed rape at the moment for November, so who cares? Well, obviously somebody cares who deals with rape all the time, but I don't that much. 
Feed Barley, X Farm, November 245. We've got a boat to fill in Ipswich that's, that's going to be going out. We have got some space to put some grain on there if we want to and keep some other stuff in store. So if you want to sell Feed Barley, we are interested in buying that and we're quite aggressive relative to other people if you're in the Ipswich area or Norfolk. Harvest Feed Barley values for next year, probably around about 220, maybe more, maybe less, but around that sort of level. There's been a large lack of interest. New crop is, has gone into the ground in exceptionally good conditions. I flew in to Stansted over Ipswich on Tuesday, and in a week there's been a dramatic change in, in how the countryside looks, and it looks amazing. There's no wet patches, there's no compaction. It is a very good-looking crop. bit short of moisture up until this last couple of days, but that hopefully has been solved. Yeah, I'm saying it is looking really good, and there's going to be a big wheat crop. So that will bring some people on to sell some because there are good margins in this market. However, the underlying view on new crop has issues. There's a drought in uh, Argentina. There's floods and wet weather and the harvest in Australia, which is reducing their crop size. Pakistan is in, as in, you know, has got a problem with its stocks because of all the floods. India had that heat wave. They've got less production. There's a whole host of things that are bullish. And that's not even bringing in how many acres the Ukrainians will be unable to plant. So there's lots of reasons why new crop isn't going to crash through the floor. And I think you have to keep that in the back of your mind whilst ignoring phenomenally high returns for the product that you're growing versus the cost to grow them. Food has finally come up to its value for the farmer, if you like. So moving on to feed wheat. I tell you what, talk about live TV. This is breaking news, doing grain breaking news. I've just been told we have been booked at £16 a tonne on the spread between November and May. I would like to celebrate a complete and absolute victory in terms of reading the market. That's all I've got to say about that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm just so delighted with the fact that's just occurred. Anyway, moving on from glib over celebrating and such like victory dancers. What a great company doing, Grain. are reading the market so well. <laughs> Good grief, all that experience. Yes, I agree. Anyway, right, feed wheat prices are going to be unbearable for the rest of the day now. Feed wheat price, the value X farm versus futures has come in. It was trading at £15 under. It's probably more like £8 under. Not a lot of interest for November because everybody's stuffed with it. But people are now pricing the delivered to consumer prices off the May price, which at £16 premium brings, you know, makes the November less relevant. The reason the November futures price is so low is because it is something that when we tender next week, someone's got to pay pay us that much money for it and then they've got to haul it and they've got to pay rent on all sorts of costs it's not a profitable experience even if they carry it to next may they can just about get out of it with a little bit of interest but is it worth tying up millions and millions of pounds in stock in Aylsham? probably not so this is great isn't it i've got to get through this podcast and i'm now sitting here thinking of all the people i can just have a very funny conversation with about the spread trading where i said it was anyway andrew get back right so eight pounds under the futures is roughly the value for for November wheat. If you took the next farm value right at this moment, and the futures are trading about 267, as I record, 266. So you'd probably put Jan X farm somewhere in the region of 266. So it's quite an aggressive price versus the future. So X Jan 266. If you looked at next May, you would probably be something like 274, something like that. So yeah, pretty good forward prices relative to spots. So if you've got a good storage, it's worth paying for itself. Milling wheat, new crop price are if futures are trading at 267 so you'd be about 247 delivered store for immediate harvest movement or you would be something in the region of 253 or 4 or 5 for um, November 23. 
So milling wheat premiums, old crop, I'm not going to talk about new crop because you, you can't sell milling wheat forward in case it rains and the hagberg gets ruined, as we all know. So old crop premiums are holding up. It's trading around about £47 over futures. So if you took that as a December ex-farm value, you'd be in the region of £296 a tonne. So that's pretty darn sexy, if you ask me. It's come under the £300 mark because the futures have dropped off so much while I was on holiday. But yeah, it's still an exceptionally good-looking price for that wheat that you planted all those months ago. So yeah, that's it. I've ranted about how rubbish our politics are, and particularly the Tory party. I've had a good old chat about the start of this podcast. I was there, I was, hoping for a little event to occur on the futures, technically. And by the end of it, I'm just like, here I am. So this is me in full celebratory mode. I really am the man who can read the futures spread market better than others. That's all I've got to say about that. Thank you very much. Have a good week. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. Thank goodness the Norfolk Dinner is back. Hosted by the Norfolk Institute of Agricultural Merchants, this year's event will be at St Andrew's Hall in the centre of Norwich on Thursday the 19th of January 2023. There'll be food, a chance to talk and meet with each other, plus you can even get your name on the wall and be famous. To book your tickets and find out about sponsorship, email ben at doinggrain.co.uk. So that's the Norfolk Dinner, 19th of January 2023, St Andrew's Hall, Norwich. Let's make the grain trade alive and thrive again. Right, today we are going to make uh, registering a futures store and putting warrants on the system really easy, a step-by-step guide. Now, I've got with me Abby, who's been working with us for 10 years. So, Abby, hello. Hello. And you're the first female member of staff for the Madewing Grain team to be on the podcast. I feel very honoured. <laughs> well, we're just misogynistic here, as you know, so it's kind of like, you, know, you need to nod. You go, no. <laughs> you're supposed to, at that point, go, no, you're not. This is an amazingly modern business that doesn't... Of course, this is not the 1970s. Anyway, moving on from the 70s, which I never will do. Abby is the person who does all of our futures administration. So what happens is when we have the great plan of having a futures store, we've done the work of getting it registered and and Joe goes and gets it inspected and makes sure it's up to spec. They say, yep, okay, that gets the tick of the box for their approval. And once we've done that, we then have a kind of quantity of volume, if you like, that we can tender. In other words, if we have a 10,000 tonne store, we can put 10,000 tonnes of wheat in there. That's the capacity we're allowed to tender. But people are very fearful of that process. So to make it easy, I'm going to get Abby to answer some questions on what happens next. So I turn around and say, right, Abby, we've filled up that particular shed with 10,000 tonnes of wheat. Can we have 100 warrants, please? What do you do next? I would create 100 warrants for you. (laughs) (laughs) And one warrant equals 100 tonnes. 100 tonnes, yeah. So that's 10,000 tonnes. Mm-hmm. So you go onto the ICE website. Yes, Guardian your, System. The Guardian System, mm-hmm. because you're a guardian of the galaxy yourself, yeah. aren't you? And Star you then... Lord. No, it's not Star Wars. Star Lord. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. You then put the special code in so you can get into the system, and, and they recognise it's you. Yep. And that enables you to then raise 100 warrants. Yep. But you have to give them a special name, don't you? So each warrant or each lot has an individual number. Yeah. Which is it's also made up by our store code. So Aylsham would be A Y L. Yeah. Yes, yep. And then it has its own individual number, so 0001. And that's the warrant number. That's the warrant it? number. Yeah. But also now we have to do it by bin number as well. 
So yeah, I have that, a bin code. And that's the new thing that they invented, which is yep. completely inane and stupid, isn't it? Let's face it. Well, yes. Because you can get wheat from any bin, and if someone says, I'd like some from bin D3, and you're outloading from bin E1, except it can't be D3, it has to be D03, doesn't it? Because it they does, had to have yeah. three digits. There's all sorts of stupid, on a blank piece of paper, ideas that came up from London, where we all love, with how it should be so it's never going to be corrupt. And the reality of the whole system was, just go and check how many tons are actually physically there and do the job properly, and you wouldn't need to be dicking around putting bin numbers on. you just say, how many tons are in sight? Is it there? Yes. Anyway, sorry, I'll get back to the point. So we go AYL, and let's say it's in bin D3, mm-hmm. which we now call bin D03. Yep. And then you put the warrant number after that? After that, yep. 00001. Yes, and then each 100 tonnes has its own number. Okay, so can you use 00001 every single year? No, you have to no, follow on. No, I can't. So last year, if we had bin D03 and we had 10 warrants from that bin, so 1,000 mm-hmm. ton bin, you would have already 00010 in yeah, place. I would, so I'd have to go 000011. Now, does Guardian keep that record or do you keep that record? Guardian and me, because uh-huh. I am very efficient. Well, that's true, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. people now ask you questions because when they turn up to inspect our stores. So just, I've probably confused issues. So in simple terms, you log onto a computer, you have a code to get in, you have a set name for each store, easy. Yep. That helps us identify, you know, EGM is Egmere and CAN is Cantley and so on. And then you have... The bin numbers, we have a a simple, each site of whoever is a grain store has a name for the shed. So we put, in our case, we have, uh, you know, as I say, A line, B line, C line, a number of bins in those lines of silos. But where you've got a big shed, like the one at Eggmere, what do you call that? EH1, East Hanger 1. Ah, okay. And what about South Pickenham, where there's two enormous identical ones side by side? ST1. <laughs> ST2, for store one and two. Okay, so in, in effect, that highlights it is simple. Yeah. Pick is Pickenham. Mm-hmm. ST1 is the shed on the left as you It's actually SPE for South Pickenham Estates. Is it? Spick? Yeah. No, just sp. Spick. Sp. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. As long as you know, I don't know. But yeah, that's so. so Identify the store, identify the shed. And then when it comes to outloading, this is this is where there's a little element of... Well, I've got, there's another step, though, ah. with warrants. I have to then link those warrants to our futures broker mm-hmm. so they know to tender those for us on the tender day. So you contact our broker and you say... I have nominated you nominated. as the broker for these warrants. So you've told ICE that they're the nominated yep. party and you've told the broker and the broker has to acknowledge you yeah. and it's their responsibility to put it in on the day you say. Yep. And ICE know that's the day. So you can't, if you're a day late, you've got to get all of that right, haven't you? So, yes, yeah, on the day. So this year, the 24th of October is next Monday yep. and we're going to give it to them between the eyes, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Have we actually told our broker yet? I'm going to say yes, just to Make put your easy. mind at ease. <laughs> Well, by the time this podcast goes out, it should be yes. So if not, it doesn't matter as long as it's there by Monday saying, right. I mean, what we don't know at this moment, and this is not to do with your bit, this is if someone gives us the spread we're looking for, there's there's 100 lots we're not going to tender. If they do not bother to give us the spread we want, i.e. £16 a tonne between Nov and May, which I'm only want to do just to prove us right, Mark Worrell is wrong. But if it doesn't happen, then they're going to get 600 lots between the eyes and then you can just nominate to your heart's content every store we've got yeah that's the plan 
Yeah, and then what happens? So you've told the broker, you've told ICE, mm -hmm. so therefore it should just then happen, shouldn't it? Yes. And seven days later... We get a boatload full of cash. Yeah, what are we going to do with the cash this time? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, we've had some fun in the past, in the team, so this, you know, goodness knows what we'll buy this year. But yeah, no, the reality is, uh, for, from a credit control perspective, if you're looking at trading futures, it is one of the surefire ways of actually getting paid on the day that you expect to get paid. Whereas, in, as you know, in this industry, a number of people say, I'll pay you on such and such a date, and it turns out to be eight days later, or... Mm -hmm. We don't run checks this uh, on a, until it's a Friday with a full moon, and then we'll send you the check. Yeah, or it's a weekend, or a month end, or yeah. year end twice a year. Or I'm the accountant, and I feel important, and I can ruin people. So yeah, personal little grudge that. Okay, so what happens then? Someone pays us for it, they don't move it. We then charge them rent. Okay, so they've got a few days rent-free, haven't they? 14, 14 days rent-free. Yeah. And if they don't pick it up in that time, we start charging them at 4.75 pence per tonne per day. Per tonne per day, yep. And we invoice that. Monthly. Which is kind of like, that's fair enough, isn't it? You mm -hmm. can, we can wait for that. Do you expect anything to go out in November? Nope. December? No. Yes, there'll be some in December because people won't load Christmas week, will they? No, so they true. go to yeah. future stores. Yep. Other than that, I think it's going to sit there till March, April or longer. Who knows? Anyway, we shall see. So as far as we just sit there, someone's paid us for it. It's their stock. Does anyone come and inspect regularly? They should do. I think ICE are supposed to come and check before we tender it and which they have done and i think whoever owns the warrants in store can come and inspect whenever they like but yep. i have never seen anyone didn't we have one company come and do it now someone sent a cargo superintendent okay yeah that was just after the bankruptcy a couple of years ago they might do this year that will be interesting we had to send stock declarations to people who were a bit we don't actually need to it's up to us to do that but we do it just to make them feel better because we're nice and user friendly so in effect we were inspected yesterday and today to see that we've got the volume that we're about to slap yeah. between the eyes with and it's never moving fees because we're still putting wheat into store so there will be more tenders if if the market conditions dictate largely it's actually quite easy like that isn't it there's nothing more yeah, we have to really do easy. and then when we move it out what happens then how does what's the system for the people who don't know how to do this, what's the system when someone does collect their warrants? In respect of the Guardian system? Yeah. So once they've collected a single tonne, their warrant has to be withdrawn mm -hmm. from Guardian, which is just a case of selecting it and clicking withdrawn. Even they just picked up one tonne? Even ton. if they picked one tonne, because so effectively that warrant has been used. Started to be used. Yeah. And the balance, they're still due for the rent on the stuff that hasn't yeah. moved out, aren't they? And we... I mean, technically, this is where some people get really sucked into the belief that contracts have to be adhered to mindlessly like it's a blank piece of paper. It doesn't take a genius to work out that 29-tonne lorries don't divide into 100 exactly, do they? No. So what we do as a business, which we don't have to do, but we choose to do, is we will allow people to move, let's say, 1,000 tonnes any given day on a number of lorries, and we will take the warrants in numerical form, whoever's allocated... D0300011, he might not get all of the corresponding numbers in that bin, he might get three warrants in that bin, and six in another, and one somewhere else. So what we will do is, if they've got 300 tonnes at Aylsham, let's say, we will allow them to send in 10 lorries at 29 tonnes each, that just leaves a 10 tonne balance overall, and we don't mess around so we'll clear the first warrant number first, up to 100, then take the balance of it off the next one, just because it makes common sense. 
It does. The other thing that we can do, if we want to, is say, right, you've got 300 tonnes at Aylsham and 300 tonnes at Pickenham and 300 tonnes at Holcombe. And we could say, you have to pick up 300 tonnes from there. And you have to pick up 300 tonnes from there, exactly. And in the end of the time, if you've picked up 290 from each site, there's 30 tonnes outstanding, isn't there? What we do is we say, pick it all up from one place. I'm not going to make you pick up 10 and 10 and 10. Aren't we lovely? Very kind. That is incredibly kind. Yeah, Some people exactly. are that pedantic. They Think make... of the haulage costs. Think of the world. Think of the planet. Exactly. Think what we're doing. We are that we're good. We're saving the world. We are saving mm-hmm. the world. And the rest, some of these guys... If you're an accountant, you'd be going, no, pick up 10 tonnes. You've got 9.7 tonnes over there. And it'd be like, oh, teeth being drawn. So it doesn't have to be complicated. You do have to have a working relationship with the people who've got the stuff in store. So there's no benefit in being macho about it. It's the way we've gone about being a storekeeper. Be as user-friendly as you possibly can. And eventually, people are overcome by our incredible niceness. I think a lot of the trade have found that. <laughs> yeah, they do <laughs> There's other people crying at the moment out there. But yeah, indeed, I can't believe you just said that. (laughs) (laughs) So aside from that, see, that that wasn't too arduous, that little conversation, was it? It was probably one of the worst experiences of my life, but I mean, I think I got through it. What a lovely life you've had. And and 10 years working at Doing Grain, has it been that good? (laughs) I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say. You can say what you like, obviously. It's been been fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) I've learned a lot. Yeah, if you ran a business, would you run it like this? I've got to say, Abby gives as good as she gets. So just, just in case you think she's a shy and little number in the corner, not saying very much, and there's Webby and what have you, making observations about things he shouldn't, <laughs> and the rest of us. Believe me, Abby is able to more than dish out your fair share of humour. Yes, I'm quite hilarious, really. Which I think, in the end, is a healthier working environment. It is. Because if we were all correct all the time, you'd hate it. I wouldn't like to work in a real office. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is (laughs) the success of doing grain on a plate. There you have it. Anyway, Abby, I really appreciate you actually braving and doing this, so thank you. And now everybody knows about futures Futures. because of you. Yep. Well done. That's great. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.